didn't you see he liked a tweet from a player from a different team? That proves he doesn't care about the Packers anymore. <laughs> you are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers, because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from free agency to the draft and all the way to OTAs, We've got you covered. Give us if you have a question you'd like us to answer for you on the show, hit us up on Twitter. You can do so at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Well, Gil, we have a guest on the show today. It is going to be McFarland High School coach Brian Hahn, good friend of the show, good friend of me personally. And we are going to be talking to Coach Hahn about the new offensive line additions we've made to the team. But before we get into that, Gil, we have a new quarterback addition to the team. How about that? Yeah, I, I can't say I'm shocked. I actually wrote an article last week about possible candidates for uh, a mm-hmm. third quarterback in camp. And uh, yeah, I, I knew something was coming. I just didn't know who it would be. Well, I mean, let's be honest. The pool of available veteran free agent quarterbacks was very limited. Uh, Blake Bortles was easily the best candidate on the list. Uh, The only guy that you could probably put in the same tier as him would probably be RG3. And honestly, I mean, Blake Bortles is probably quite a bit better than RG3 at this point in his career. You got Josh McCown, but he's 42. I mean, that's nearly as old as you are, Gil. And uh, (laughs) nobody else on the list intrigued me. I know a lot of people were asking for Nick Mullins, and I was not interested in that. I I was definitely more interested in Blake Bortles than in Nick Mullins. Here's the thing. There's a pretty mm, energetic debate out there right now what this signing of Blake Bortles means. Like, does it mean anything, or does it mean nothing at all? Because... Goody did say that he was going to add one to two more quarterbacks. Uh, He is bringing in two more quarterbacks, um, Chad Kelly and Kurt Benkert, to this weekend's rookie minicamp. Just to give them a tryout. They're not officially on the team yet. Could easily see them signing, likely signing another quarterback at some point here. But I, I, I just want to point out, it's not typical for the Packers to keep a another quarterback on the roster at the level of Blake Bortles. It's usually a rookie. It's usually just some camp arm that you bring in. You don't need Blake Bortles to be coming in and running the scouting team. Um, and if if Jordan Love is who he's supposed to be, if they are optimistic about things going well with the Aaron Rodgers negotiations, you don't need Blake Bortles. You go with a typical rookie like they usually do. To me... I'm not even saying that this necessarily means that something has changed. I think it could just be an indication that nothing has changed in the development of love and the negotiations with Rodgers. What do you think? 
you know, it's it's a complicated situation. But I think, you know, after the draft, at his press conference, Brian Gutekunst indicated that uh, Jordan Love is probably, you know, if Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback this year, Jordan Love probably isn't ready for prime time just yet. And if that's the case, having Blake Bortles in there at least gives Love some competition. Uh, and it's an insurance policy. If Aaron Rodgers stays, Blake Bortles is possibly your second string for one year if Jordan Love is really not ready to take over. Uh, and if anything happens to Aaron, you know, maybe you, you go the Blake Bortles route for the short term. If Aaron Rodgers leaves, uh, depending on whether you get a quarterback in the trade that would send him out, that creates a whole different set of circumstances. But Blake Bortles, again, may be called on or he may end up just being a camp arm. Those are really the uh, the alternatives. But to me, Blake Bortles is a relatively inexpensive insurance policy more than anything else. If an injury strikes, if Jordan Love isn't ready, if Aaron Rodgers is is no longer the quarterback, Blake Bortles gives you someone who is at least competent on paper to come in and and get the job done. Look, how long what was it? Four years ago, he took the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars to the AFC Championship game. So it's not like he's completely incompetent. Bortles' best season was with Nathaniel Hackett calling plays for him. Nathaniel Hackett obviously is now the Packers offensive coordinator. He threw 35 touchdowns. I'd like to point out that is more than any Bears quarterback has ever thrown, including <laughs> Mr. Andy Dalton, who had himself a phenomenal year in, what was it, 2013, when he threw 33 touchdowns as a Bengal. Right. Of course, you got uh, Sid Luckman in... 1943 with 28 touchdowns. I mean, they've never gotten to 30. So, you know, <clears throat> obviously I'm not, I would not be thrilled about the prospect of Bortles being QB one for the season, but it would, it is just delicious that Packer fans are disappointed about this quarterback signing. And he still has had a better season than any bears quarterback has ever had. Well, that's a low bar, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, here's a couple other things. Um, Bortles and Rodgers are pretty good friends. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I'm not saying that hanging out with Bortles for the season is a reason for Rodgers to come back. But with what we know of the guy and how he likes to operate, I think he would have a lot of fun palling around with Blake Bortles this season. It couldn't hurt. I mean, at the very least, it shows that you're bringing in a guy who obviously would not be competing with Rodgers, who's Rodgers uh, is friends with. And, you know, it, 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 it appears on a certain level that the signing of this new quarterback, they're taking Aaron Rodgers' feelings into account before they make the transaction. So, uh, you know, in, from that perspective, from the appeasing Aaron Rodgers viewpoint, uh, you know, this is only a move that could help. It can't really hurt. And uh, we'll see whether it has even a small effect on softening the rancor right now that it seems to exist between the Packers organization and their franchise quarterback. We got two last Blake Bortles items we have to touch on before we bring on uh, Coach Hahn. First, uh, I I've seen some frustration about you know, them bringing in Bortles. And I, I just 
want to rewind the clock a little bit to year after year, the frustration that all of us fans, and I was definitely part of this, felt that the Packers never brought in a quality veteran backup quarterback like other teams do. You know, we watched the Eagles win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, and we're sitting over here, and we have obviously a far superior starting quarterback, but we're going, it's Aaron or bust every single year. Mm-hmm. Why can't we have a competent backup? And then we sat, we went through the 2017 season and Brett Hundley, just the worst thing in the world. The 2018 season starts. We're so excited to have Aaron back. First game of the season against the Bears. He gets hurt halfway through the game. Deshaun Kaiser comes in and we're sitting there and we're going, give me a break. What is this? (laughs) All right. Let's fast forward just a little bit more. They draft Jordan Love. And at that point. I had been asking for a while for them to either sign a veteran backup or spend a high draft pick on him. And yeah, there's all this drama about is is Jordan going to be the quarterback of the future? Is that the plan? Is he just going to be a backup? We don't know. And now there's three first round quarterbacks on the roster. Blake Bortles yeah. was the first round quarterback. I just listen. You can't be frustrated about this. The Packers are doing everything in their power to lock down the most single most important position on the roster. And at last item, I'm, I'm going to pose this to you as a question here. Okay. Uh, I've seen a lot of reactions. Um, you know, when I posted this news about the Bortles signing uh, and, and we're talking about, yeah, well, Jordan Love might be QB three again this year behind Bortles. There's been a lot of just vitriol and frustration and despair. Why isn't Jordan Love... He must really suck if he can't even be QB2 this year. I, I, I want you to take that and run with it. You know what? It People have to understand that it sometimes takes time to develop a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre for three seasons before. He was terrible his first two years. He was ready. And... When they drafted Jordan Love, they knew he was a project. You read almost every scouting report that was released before the 2020 draft. And it basically was, this kid has all the tools, but he's going to need time. And last year, 2020, no preseason, no OTAs except for virtual meetings, which you or I could have done. No, you know, not a normal situation and to expect him to be ready without the time going by without him getting the reps that he normally even would have gotten in a regular rookie year is asking a lot it's like going up to the drive-thru at mcdonald's and asking for a chateaubriand it's not happening (laughs) okay you you have you you want the good steak you got to let it get aged you got to let it cook you got to put it in the hands of a good chef, and then you can have that really good steak. So, I, I mean, fans have to be a little bit patient with Jordan Love. When you draft a quarterback, especially when you have a franchise quarterback already on your roster, the reason they took this quarterback was to groom him to succeed yes. Aaron Rodgers, not yes. to succeed him right away. And so... I I think it is within the expectations of the organization that 
Jordan Love may not be ready this year if if something happens to Aaron Rodgers, whether it be trade or holdout or injury. I think the organization didn't expect him to be ready just yet. And uh, to bring in another quarterback only makes sense when you think about it. So, J.J., the schedule came out earlier this week. Your initial thoughts at the uh, 2021 Packers schedule. Well, I'm glad we get that stupid Santa Clara game out of the way in week three. I'm so sick of flying out to play the 49ers. My goodness. But at least it's real early in the season. We get it out of the way early. So far, LaFleur has managed to start each season, you know, on a pretty hot start. I like that there's kind of an even mix of all of the home and away games for most of the season. But then we, you know, we do in those real cold months, uh, December especially, a lot of home games uh, up there in the uh, nice frozen tundra. That's going to be a, a really great advantage. Um some of the teams we play early on, those could either be super easy games if Rodgers is the quarterback, which we'll get into that a little bit later. Yes. Um, or it could be a little bit disadvantageous, the particular kinds of teams we're going up against. For example, the Steelers, who have a very seasoned and experienced quarterback. Um, if Jordan love or, you know, is, is the, the starting quarterback. So it'll be interesting. And I also like that. They're not making us wait until what, like week 15 to play the bears for the first time this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that is definitely better. I, I'm also very happy that the bye week is week 13 this year. I think it was week five in 2020. And that was just too soon. You don't need the bye week that soon. You're not even, you know, most of the time, your team isn't right. even that banged up or tired yet. So I think week 13, the first week in December, is a really good time for the bye week. And, you know, that gives me uh, a, a little semblance of hope in that respect. I have a request of Matt LaFleur. Can you have your team ready to play the week after the bye? I just <laughs> That would be a nice change of pace. You know, just surprise us all. Come out looking rested and put together, not sluggish and hungover. <laughs> Imagine that, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and one other thing that I like about this uh, schedule is that before they go to Kansas City for that uh, big showdown with Mahomes and the Chiefs, yeah. they have the mini-buy. They're coming off a Thursday game the week before uh, in Arizona, which is the dreaded Thursday night road trip right right but but at least they will have a little extra time to rest and to prepare before they meet the chiefs and i like that hey here's something i did not like about the schedule and you know some people are probably gonna be really excited about it but we play on christmas day which i will have a very hard time getting away to actually watch that on christmas christmas is a really big deal uh sure. at my house but also the that's we play the Browns on Christmas and that was the game I was going to go to, but mm. I, I can't go on Christmas. I got to be home for Christmas. So that changes my plans quite a bit. That was Christmas day is probably the only day of the year that I would not, you know, not be to, able to uh, go. So what game, game, what game do you think you're going to go to instead? I have no idea. I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, you know, I, I, I've actually never been to Lambeau if you can believe it. Uh, I live in Michigan, so I, I 
get down to Detroit when they play the Lions on the road. But right, right. And I'll probably be at that game again this year. But I got to pick a, a home game to go visit this year. So I, I don't know. I I grew up in Ohio before I moved to Michigan, and I got a real soft spot in my heart for for the Brownies. So that was going to be the game. That was going to be perfect. Now, have you thought about going to the game in Cincinnati? Haven't thought about that. I uh, as funny as it might sound, since I just said the reason I like the Browns is because I grew up in Ohio. I really don't like the Bengals very much. Well, but you're not going to root for them anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> plus, plus, it probably should be you know a, a pretty good beating. I hope. I I would hope. I mean. Uh, are you more into going earlier in the season when the weather is a little warmer or, you know, do you want to go when it's the frozen tundra in December? I just want that Lambo experience. And if that means freezing my butt off all day and uh, loading up on cheese curds and beer, count me in. <laughs> you know, good game to go to. Perfect timing, I think. Week seven, hosting the Washington football team. That's October 24th. Probably not a very in-demand ticket. Weather is probably still pretty good, but not like too too warm. And uh, you, you probably get it, you know, for a few bucks less if you're if you're needing to buy a ticket. And I probably you know get a, a decent chance of getting to see Fitz Magic work his incredible wizardry that day instead of uh, the other fellow who sometimes shows up, which would be Fitz Tragic. <laughs> we shall see. All righty, Gil, let's welcome onto the show McFarland High School coach Brian Hahn. We're going to talk some O-line uh, players because we added a bunch of new ones in the draft and in undrafted free agency. And who better than a former offensive line coach to talk about probably his favorite topic in the world? Coach Hahn, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, excited to be here. I think you hit it on the head, JJ. Um, offensive line is probably my favorite topic in all of football to talk about. Um, I find it kind of like it finally just hit me when you said former O-line coach. Like even though I do, I, I, I run my own program now as a, as a head guy, but I still work closely with that offensive line. And now that you said that, I'm like, wow, I am a former O-line coach. That, that kind of stinks. But um, super <laughs> excited to talk some NFL O-line with you guys. Absolutely. So we got six new guys, starting obviously with our uh, presumptive new center out of Ohio State, replacing our old Ohio State center. That was Corey Lindsley. Now we got Josh Myers. We also drafted uh, Cole Van Lannon and Royce Newman. Excited to talk about those. And we got three undrafted guys, John Dietzen, Jacob Capra, and Coy Cronk. So Super interested to hear your thoughts on those guys and how they could, uh, you know, plug into our uh, our offensive scheme. What are some of the things that uh, Goody might have really liked about those guys in particular? And uh, also, you know, if we still have some time to talk about it, we got a, a linebacker and a running back who are kind of up your alley as well. That we could talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And we might as well start with the big dog. Um, let's talk about Josh Myers here real quick. If tradition serves, you know, it's an Ohio State center. And those guys very, very rarely miss. Um, Ohio State is, you know, right on that Clemson and Alabama edge of what they do offensively. Um, very zone driven, um, a lot of wide zones, so they'll fit in well, but do mix in a whole lot of gap. 
and then very intricate in their pass protection. Um, they're going to see a lot of big-time stuff from, obviously, their Big Ten foes. Um, Wisconsin is always kind of a challenge for them offensively, the way that Wisconsin runs their defense um, with a 3-4 and some sim pressures and stuff. So you have to be really intelligent. And um, Ohio State centers come at a premium because they set the pass protection for one of the better passing attacks in the nation. And uh, these guys got to be able to pound the ball as well. So Josh Myers is a very exciting prospect. Um, really loving the Packers' depth. Um, for your listeners who may not know, I am not a Packer fan whatsoever. Um, <laughs> I'm just a fan of really good football. And, you know, lately, I think offensively, anyways, the Packers have been putting together some really, really good football. So, you know, getting to watch some of this stuff. And, and my guess is, Josh Myers and the depth you have behind this offensive line, um, you may see an even better version. I know a lot of fans were kind of on the fence of, of the offensive line last year, but considering all the stuff that they had to go through, you know, injuries and, and COVID and, you know, these different things, the shuffling of guys around constantly, um, watching that O-line perform the way they did was impressive enough. Now, if you stick some young guys in there and get some competition, with a full training camp, I'm telling you guys, watch out. This is this is going to be a very good on call and right now a top five offensive line in the NFL. Well, and something else that's really cool about Myers in particular, he grew up in Miamisburg, Ohio, and uh, those Ohio high school football programs are ground and pound. That, those are some run heavy offensive schemes that they do. This guy can run block you out of existence. Oh, absolutely agreed. Actually, our running backs coach, um, he's from Ohio, just in the Columbus area, played at Ohio State, you know, was an all-state running back uh, for his high school. Obviously, incredibly good, and, and he said it best. If you can't run the ball in Ohio, you have to leave Ohio. So um, <laughs> that's, that's the way they do it. Uh, Ohio is, is becoming near and dear to my heart. You know, we'll always be a Wisconsin fan at, at my core, but watching um, some of these states just pound the ball is – is awesome. And that's why, you know, I don't want to jump the gun here, fellas, but I'm really, really excited to watch John Dietzen too. Um, this man can, you know, what, what he gives up a little bit in pass protection, this man is a bulldozer. So it'll be really fun to watch. Yeah. What else can you tell us about Dietzen? Well, he is your prototypical Wisconsin offensive lineman boys. Um, he is going to come in and, you know, maybe not be as highly, um, sought after perhaps as some of these other guys my gut feeling says Dietzen definitely makes the roster. Um, he is a strong, explosive dude. I was down at uh, Camp Randall two springs ago, um, watching some spring ball practice and, and meeting up with, you know, Joe Rudolph, who runs their offense and also runs their offensive line, is a wizard, um, just an absolute technician. And the, you know, six foot three to six foot six giants um, that, that go through Wisconsin's program, um, he makes absolute technicians out of them. And that's why. They're the college that produces the most and best offensive linemen. Um, typically not centers. Uh, the guards and tackles are where it's at. But he, to me, is a prototypical Wisconsin offensive lineman. Wanted to ask another question about Myers. The fact that he called the signals for the offensive line at Ohio State, do you think that that will help him make the transition to the NFL at all a little bit more easily? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I wholeheartedly believe it. Um, the, the, the old theory on offensive linemen is they're the big, dumb uglies, right? And you got to point to them and tell them where to go. But that is 
gone, gone. I mean, these dudes are athletes, athletes now. You know, the days of 370 pounds just, just leaning on you, those days are long gone. So um, you also have to be incredibly cerebral, and, and that's what you see out of Myers. If you see some three, four sim pressures, and then all of a sudden the next snap you see a five-two, and you still have to set and adjust all these pressures, not just against that defense, but also knowing what personnel your offense is in and not being able to see it. Knowing if you've got a running back in slide protection or if you're going to be naked on this boot or, you know, these sorts of things, they all change the first and second steps of the guys next to you. And as a center, you have to dictate and communicate that. Um, a lot of times the defense is, is all around, you know, uh, they saw a lot of amoeba type defenses with sim pressures and stuff. And, and you got to make sure they're solid. And at Ohio State, that's something they do incredibly well. So, yeah, Gil, I do. I, I truly believe that's going to help. Um, I know Ohio State, for a fact, mandates communication between their quarterbacks and their centers, um, and that that can only help in a in a situation that Green Bay is going to go into here with or without Rodgers. Um, if that quarterback and center can communicate, you're in great shape. When when you look at the Packers' offensive line, they seem to value the ability to play a lot of different positions. You have a guy like Elton Jenkins who can play all five positions along the line. They talked about Myers being able to play center and guard. Uh, Royce Newman played tackle in college, probably projected as a guard uh, in the NFL. What advantages does having that versatility give your offensive line? Oh, it's huge. I mean, it's absolutely huge. Uh, So, the reason it's so difficult uh, to be able to do that as a guard that can swing to tackle or a center that can swing to guard or, or that sort of stuff, the reason you don't see a ton of that is because guards traditionally try to play more of it in a phone booth. You're big, strong dudes who are very you know, tight-centered um, who maybe can't get out to an edge rusher like a, a J.J. Watt or a Von Miller or some of these elite dudes. Um, they just don't have the footwork or the athleticism to get out there. So to be able to find five dudes that are serviceable at every position and then can rotate around is phenomenal. You know, it's not just having a center that can snap and call out a mic, but then he's kicking and he's, his steps are all different and he's kick sliding and he's got the knowledge and the whole understanding of the game to be able to play all these different positions. Um, JJ and I were speaking a little bit in season at just kind of the different jobs of the offensive lineman um, in a particular play. Let's just say it's, it's wide zone to the right. And if you're playing right guard, you know you have to hook the three-tech if you're covered or something like that. But then on the backside, now, if you're playing left tackle, you got to know that you have to leave that end alone and take a different path up to linebacker or help on the double. So all these jobs change with all the different positions, and that's in the easier of the two schemes, which is the zone scheme. So it's, it's unbelievable. It's an embarrassment of, of riches that Green Bay has with these guys that are able to slide around. If you don't have Elton Jenkins, I'll be honest, if you don't have Elton Jenkins last year, um, my guess is you're losing six, maybe seven games um, and maybe looking at a wild card berth because that is um, an oftentimes overlooked segment, but um, just absolutely vital. You got to put points on the board with those guys and they did a good job of it. With Royce Newman and Cole Van Lannan, do you see any, either of those guys, uh, do, they, do they give you a lot of confidence that either one of them could, you know, have a role this year on the offensive line? Um, gut feeling, maybe more so Newman uh, than Van Lannan. Um, and that's just because of his, his athleticism, you know, being able to play outside in, in college and then um, 
skirt back in. He's kind of become possibly that plug-and-play guy um, like Patrick was. You know, you, you can get out and play a little right tackle or you can get in and play mm-hmm. left guard. You know what I mean? So that's probably where you're sniffing a roster spot a little bit more. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess it all really truly boils down to how are you going to perform in camp? And that's the really exciting thing. You got six new offensive linemen on top of the seven or so that you're retaining. Like, think of the competition that's going to come through in camp. And I'm I'm a firm believer of iron sharpens iron. So if you have the ability to put 13 guys out there in camp and say, hey, we are going to carry nine or whatever that roster number ends up being, um, you're going to get the best out of every single one of them. And this is... For rookies, anyways, this is where growth occurs tremendously. So you can take undrafted dudes and you have your day one starter, <laughs> you know, oftentimes in, in, in the NFL. So um, it's crazy. Um, I'm super excited to see 13, 14 dudes trot out and fight for those spots. And I think the Packers are in a, a pretty good spot right here. You, you, hey, you meant, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm no, you oh. go ahead. Uh, you, you mentioned you know rookies being able to step in, uh, possibly even undrafted rookies. What is the biggest adjustment that a rookie offensive lineman has to make when he steps up to that next level in the NFL? That's awesome, and I please understand I am not speaking from experience here. I am a tiny little <laughs> man and a very poor football player, so I've never even sniffed close to this. But what I, what I can say from a lot of the camps and a lot of the guys that I've talked to is it's just simply the speed, you know, just simply the raw power of the game. You know, you could be going against the backup defensive tackle for the Chicago Bears, um, who, you know, may or may not be good in the NFL, but he was the best player on his team back in, you know, Auburn or, or whatever that was. You know what I mean? So um, the speed and the physicality of this game is just so much different from college. And then... Another kind of slight step, because the college offensive game has evolved so much in the last 15, 20 years, I don't think that the understanding of the game is as big of a mental jump for an offensive lineman, um, but the absolute need to protect is. you know, Now you're looking at a $100 million man behind you, as opposed to, for a lot of these colleges, if you're not Ohio State or Clemson or even Alabama, really, but if you're more along the lines of a Florida State or a Boise or something like that, You've got two or three dudes fighting behind you, too. So every step that you, every misstep you have, every mistake isn't as critical. I mean, don't get me wrong. You're going to hear about it, but you're not the guy who gave up the sack that injured the hundred million dollar quarterback behind you. So um, there's there's got to be some mental pressure involved in that as well. That's a great question. I want to turn our attention here uh, since we're starting to get close on time. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the linebacker Isaiah McDuffie and running back Kylan Hill that we drafted, uh, both of whom I, I think we can certainly expect to be contributors on special teams. Curious, uh, Coach, if you've seen anything from their type that uh, excites you uh, about potential roles on defense or offense for either of those guys, or are we mostly looking at special teams players here? Um, I guess that that. Great question. Again, that's all going to kind of boil down to what the scheme defensively is going to look like specifically for McDuffie. But hey, I got to admit, I slept on this kid. I did not know he was the the explosive type of person that he can be. Um, really? Yeah, I, I was I was unaware. And again, I'm not a big draft guy or anything like that. So, you know, it's pretty easy to fly under my radar. But wow, you know, kind of going back after we had talked last week, JJ, and taking a look. Um, 
This is somebody who's definitely going to contribute on special teams. We've uh, long lamented last year, um, even as not a <laughs> Packer fan, you know, watching some of that stuff was, was painful. You know, so this looks like a guy who can really um, understand and comprehend concepts and do his job. You know, and on special teams, if you've got a guy who has some athletic ability that can simply step in and do his job, he's got a roster spot right away. So um, definitely see this. this. This Kylan Hill, he's going to be interesting, very interesting. Obviously, we, everybody knows of his athletic ability. It's just how are you going to transfer that when you're all of a sudden not the best athlete on the field, you know, in a collegiate setting or, or one of the top five athletes. But now you're just another dude. You're an athletic player. Don't get me wrong, but you've got 53 athletic players on the sideline across from you, too. So let's see how all of that transfers. Um, little bit of a little bit of a wild card, it looks like at times. Right. I mean, he can kind of go out and do his own thing a little bit and for better or worse. Um, so I think that just kind of comes down to how, how does your new special teams coordinator and the coaching staff value do your job over go out, be a freak athlete, make stuff happen? As far as, uh, you know, Hill is concerned, how good of a job you think he will do in pass protection? Because that's always blitz pickup is always what seems to keep Packers rookies off the field at running back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're dead on it. And um, you <laughs> bottom line, you have to do it. If you have the best player that this game has ever seen and it's your job to protect it, you better figure it out quick. And we saw many times, even Jamal Williams last year bust on it. You know, we're not just looking at rookies. We're looking at second, third year guys busting on pass pro. I think back to that week five game against the Buccaneers. Um, we saw a lot of that. So it's a it's a um, it's a vital thing. It's not, you know, for some teams, it's optional. For some teams, it's nice, but it's not at the top of the list. If you're Green Bay, it is vital. It is absolutely vital. The neat thing about Green Bay that you see every once in a while is um, if, if you kind of watch the games here and, and watch for this, if one, if one of the running backs gets burned in pass pro or, or, or busts in pass protection, it's almost a guarantee that they're coming out the next snap and empty. It's like, all right, look, you can't do it. I have a solution. Take you off the field. Get Tyler Irvin out there or something. You know what I mean? So it's, 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 it's kind of funny to see, but it's also a clue as to how highly they value that stuff. And I think sure. that's why Aaron Jones got the paycheck and Jamal Williams didn't, to be honest with you. Did you see anything else when you were watching film of uh, these young guys? Anything that really stood out to you that you're excited to talk about? Uh, yeah, if, if McDuffie can do his job against the run, this might be your cover one robber, uh, your, your man match dude. This might just uh. might um, the hips on this dude. So the, the, the reason that Mike linebacker and man match and, and that sort of stuff is so very key is you have to play three positions in one. You know, at any given snap, you got to be able to fill the run. So you got to play that true Mike backer. You got to be able to sip. You got to snip out B gap. You got to shock and chat all that stuff that a traditional Mike backer does. But then, depending on the way, if you're in cover one man match, depending on the way that the routes form and the reads happen, you could go anywhere from outside backer to like your slot or star. You know, if you get a runoff and a trail through like in a mesh concept, you become that new slot or star and stay on top of that mesh, that under route. Or if you get a drag across your face the other way, now you've got to carry that to that single high robber safety to where almost like you become a D-back. So it's a very difficult position to play. you got to be big, strong, fast, smart. I mean, you got to check all the boxes. Um, and it all starts with the linebacker's hips. 
can you can you turn and run with keeping your eye on the you know one eye on the quarterback playing that robber position and then stay on top of a mesh route when you get that rat 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 call or or whatever that is um this is going to be the Probably that and the, the star are going to be the hardest spots to fill if you're going to play this. Um, if you're going to play this coverage, but if you get those dudes, you know you are very similar to Legion of Boom type of stuff, where it is going to be very difficult to run on you, especially if you're bringing or excuse me to throw on you, especially if you're bringing pressure. So watch that. I don't know if his rookie year. I mean, it's a lot to take on your rookie year. But um, just just watch that a little bit. This this could get very interesting down the road. And what, what do you have about uh, a half a second to make that decision as to which of those three options you're going to pick? Exactly. It is an incredibly <laughs> cerebral position. Again, you know, you think of linebackers as the old like Terry Crews type of dudes who are just hulking <laughs> and massive and, and smashing your face in with a with a center crossbar. But those things uh they, those guys don't really happen anymore either. You know, if you're that big and that strong, you're playing D tackle. And now, you know, you got to have fast and smart and, and coverage ability um, just because of the evolution of the game with with so many throwing opportunities. So it's going to be really neat to see. Based on your work with, you know, viewing the, the film on these guys and, and your knowledge of the game, Give me one surprise that you could tell Packer fans to expect from these these young kids. Um, I guess aside from my one surprise, thinking you know John Deetson's going to make it and be a, a pretty good contributor for you guys. Um, the surprise is you're probably going to end up seeing. I mean, I love the way they drafted. I, I really do. Um, I think they filled some holes, and I know some fans are kind of up in the air about it, but I think they had filled some holes. My, my, my thought is you're going to see one or two big guys uh, prob- probably not make the cut. You know, one of those guys that you've wow. seen around for three or four years. Um, my guess is you're, you're probably not going to see them in a Packer uniform or even practice squatted or something like that. Um, because I think they, I think personally, they drafted very, very well. And this is coming from an ex-Minnesota Vikings fan, guys. So I'm just, I'm putting that out there. <laughs> I grew up a Viking fan and I grew up watching it with them. And I'm looking at this Packer draft thinking like, you know, defensively anyways, um, they got some stuff and they definitely answered some questions on the offensive line. So they made no bones about it. They they definitely did not hide where their focus was in this draft. Did they? Not at all. Absolutely not. They're getting really big up front this year. I noticed that these guys are massive. They are not small dudes and they all move well. So you're going to see a lot of sprint out stuff. Um, doesn't matter who it is. If it's Love, if it's Bortles, if it's Rodgers, you're going to see a lot of sprint out because these boys can get off the ball. I mean, they will straight up wrap defensive lines. They'll push through them. It's got to be a nightmare to be a defender knowing that this guy can beat you both to the outside and then come back the next snap and drive you five yards down the field. So, Ugh, um, Is it September yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. I mean, I'm – I'm thinking that at least the, the linebacker position group and the offensive line, I think, are what made the biggest leaps um, in the draft. And the O-line was already pretty decent. Um, the linebacking core it came on strong towards the end of the season. So watching where they build from there um, and then what Joe Barry can do with it, I, you can't help but be excited if you're a Packer fan. I'm not a Packer fan. I'm excited to see it. So. <laughs> Well, Coach, we tried to not hold your uh, Viking blood against you. We'd love to have you back on the show again real soon to talk more football because, uh, Coach, always appreciate your your insight and your expertise. 
and uh, just getting that that different perspective from you. Uh, where can everybody find you online? I am uh, I'm looming around Twitter um, at Coach Hawn. Um, I do some YouTube stuff for um, for the Packernet Boys and the Packernet Podcast. Um, I believe my YouTube handle is Coach Hawn there, so you can go and take a look at some of Joe Barry's cool stuff that he does. And and um, if you got questions, fire them my way. And if I'm even remotely smart enough to answer it, I'll give it a try. So uh, I certainly appreciate hanging out with you guys. I love it. Love the show. Um, super, super excited for this opportunity. Thank you. All right, Gil, one guy we didn't get to talk about with Coach is Koi Kronk. This is an undrafted free agent. And uh, can you give us a little bit of a background on Kronk and why this is a guy to keep your eye on in this uh, upcoming preseason? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting situation because, you know, he missed 2020, uh, suffered a, a bad ankle injury in 2019. So, you know, there's some very good looks at him on film, but you got to go back two or three years to find it. And if he's healthy and if he checks out and you get back to the level he was pre-ankle injury, you certainly have the kind of guy who, you know, would have been drafted if he would have stayed healthy and then didn't have COVID this year. And, uh, you know, he, he's an offensive lineman. He's has yeah. experience playing tackle, right tackle, tackle specifically. He was really good um, at right tackle with Iowa before that he played left tackle with Indiana. Mm-hmm. And again, there's that versatility being able to play both tackle positions that the Packers like. And, uh, you know, again, before that ankle injury, uh, a lot more athletic. And yet because of COVID, his testing numbers this year didn't live up to what most people expected. Again, mm-hmm. if he's healthy again and he's over the COVID you know, you get back to the athletic prowess that he showed a couple of years ago, all of a sudden a guy who is undrafted can perform like a mid-round draft pick. And the dude has certainly had a string of bad luck for sure. That broken ankle in 2019 basically means he really has not played much since 2018. But when he did play back then, he was really good. And in 2018, before he hurt his ankle, he did go up against Chase Young at Ohio State. So, you know, he is used to going up against elite-level talent. All right, let's get into our debate topic for this week. This one is a little bit heated. You and I were discussing it, and uh, I think we got a spicy one today. Here's the question. (laughs) By the way, uh, our our poll last week, the question was, which rookie is going to have the best chance at having an immediate impact? You picked Josh Myers. I said Amari Rogers. I narrowly beat you out, which is contributing to the uh, the vitriol today. But <laughs> here's the question. Aaron Rodgers, does he play for the Packers this year or somewhere else? I'll let you go first. Yeah, unfortunately, I think he's going to be somewhere else. And uh, as much as it pains me to say that, uh, the one thing we know about Aaron Rodgers is he does tend to hold a grudge. And I I just find it difficult to believe that he will be able to let go of his anger at the Packers organization. Uh, You know, how many of these reports, you know, how many of the details are actually true? We really don't know at this point. But if there is any truth to the fact that he's been talking to players about possibly joining him on another team or, you know, 
the, some of the negative things that he has said about Brian Gutekunst, I, I, I just find it uh, difficult to see him just saying, oh, okay, uh, you know, let's put it past us and move on. So I, I think we're looking at something happening after June 1st when the cap number is a little bit more uh, digestible. But I, I'm afraid he may not be back uh, under center in 2021. I just I just can't see a path to trading him this year. It just doesn't make any sense. If you're going to trade him, trading before the draft made a lot of sense because teams could actually give you a decent compensation for him. Now all those early draft picks have been spent. All those rookies have been drafted. The Packers have signed a bunch of their guys to some lucrative extensions here. They are built to compete now this year, and they don't have cap space to take on the contracts of anybody else's players. If you traded to the Broncos for whatever measly draft picks they can offer you at this point, which is not very much, even if there are players on their roster that you want, Packers can't afford to pay them. I, and, and the dead money, too. Uh, a, a post-June 1st trade is $14 million in dead cap. I just, to me, it makes a lot more sense. Just keep him on the roster. If he wants to sit out, let him sit out, and then you don't have to pay him and uh, go ahead and trade him next offseason, his value is not going to go down because the last time he played, he won MVP. This is Aaron freaking Rodgers we're talking about. And I think, if anything, uh, if he does play this year, you have a higher chance um, that his value goes down by him playing this year uh, because he, at his age, for him to regress would not be at all surprising uh, or he could get hurt. But I just don't think that uh, there's, you know, the Packers have publicly said we're not trading him. And I think they mean it. I think that this year, at least, it just does not work out in the numbers to trade him. I think he comes back. I think they come to an agreement and say, look, we can't financially make this work. Why don't you come on back and do one more season with us? And then we'll send you to whatever AFC team you want and, uh, you know, get some great compensation for you in return. Let's take one last shot at this last dance and uh, try and bring home that Lombardi one more time. Well, we'll see. I, I think the one thing that I definitely agree with you is, you know, if he goes back out there on the field this year and doesn't perform at the MVP level we saw a year ago, his trade value would probably go down. So that's a risk that the Packers would be taking. If they trade him now, his value probably won't get any higher uh, unless he replicates that MVP season again this year. All right. Clearly, Gil and I are just never going to see eye to eye on this. We need you to weigh in and settle this debate. We're going to put a poll on Twitter as we do every week. You can check us out at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers. We're both going to pin this poll to the top of our page and you need to weigh in and settle this. Is Aaron Rodgers playing for Green Bay this year, or is Gil stupid? I mean, or is he going ooh, to play somewhere ooh. else? <laughs> <laughs> All righty, that does it for today. Oh, Gil, I'm just joking, by the way. I know. <laughs> All right, that does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Also, follow Coach Hahn at Coach Hahn on Twitter. He likes questions as well. You can also email the show at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! 
You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Dot com.